Hello out there in podcast world. This is Renew Gurus, your source for all things energy policy and politics in Missouri and beyond. I'm Executive Director James Owen, coming to you live on tape from the Renew Missouri headquarters in Columbia, Missouri. I'm actually in the office. This is pretty amazing. So joining me uh, from their undisclosed locations, I have on the boards, Danielle Wilson, our uh, office guru and producer. Danielle, say hi, hello to the fine folks. Hello, hello, happy to be here. Great, um, and here's a, here's a guest I've been wanting on for a very long time, and we've just never been able to work it within our schedules because uh, he lives in St. Louis, but he travels all over the country, and literally all over the country, not just to all the states, but several territories. Um, I'm really excited to have him on here because we've known each other ever since I've been doing this kind of work. Uh, we have John Kaufman who, gosh, how do I describe you, John? You, you run your own law firm, but you're also the attorney for Consumer Council of Missouri, but you also do a lot of work for AARP. A lot of consumer-focused energy right. work, right? It's all, it's all on behalf of residential utility consumers. Right. Economic, and, and with, with um, some focus uh, on low-income consumers. And with consumers, and I'm here on behalf of Consumers Council of Missouri. Right, yeah. So today. Uh, whose primary purpose is, is fixed and low-income customers. Right. And yeah, and so in that capacity, so Consumer Council of Missouri, that is a not-for-profit group, kind of like Renew Missouri. Uh, you do energy policy, but you do other things too, right? I know you do a lot of advocacy with uh, payday loan lenders and that sort of thing. What, what are some of the other things that you all do? The, uh, there's really sort of, you know, the economic uh, regulation, including payday loans, uh, particularly, you know, scams and, and uh, you know, dealing with people who are unbanked and trying to get just basic financial protections uh, for, for folks is one area. Then also we have a healthcare uh, focus as well. Uh, and, and we are mostly in the regulatory world, uh, dealing with uh, regulations. Uh, the Consumers Council of Missouri was a, was a plaintiff in a lawsuit that required Missouri, the Missouri Department of Insurance to finally disclose insurance rates, health insurance rates. So we're, we're into good government, into good processes, and uh, with a real focus on protecting the broad general public and, and those um, who uh, don't typically have a lawyer on their side. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a really great organization, um, even if we don't, it, even if these days you and I don't agree 100% on all energy policy, but you're also hiring right now, right? Yes. Right, our, our executive director, Kara Spencer, has uh, stepped down, and yep. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the acting executive director, and uh, they're gonna take a while to do a search, but if anyone's interested in being a, a part-time executive director, we're not quite uh, the, the large organization that Renew Missouri is. Oh, yet. stop. <laughs> <laughs> we, don't have, we don't have as many employees, but yes. Uh, but it's, um, you know, it, uh, I know sometimes people have, um, you know, can fit that into their work, and a lot of people, I guess, yeah. have more than, job but if you if you're interested in an advocacy job uh that would be about half time and involves uh, a lot of contact with with legislators and policymakers and uh in uh, interesting issues um, yeah we'll, we'll send that i know that link yes oh sorry i've got that link in an email i'll uh, send that out with this uh podcast um, in case people are interested um if people don't know our organization has been around since the 1960s uh and it was it was initially just about utility work and has been primarily about utility work until right. uh, the, the 2007. And, and in that capacity, you are you get involved with PSA, PSC cases like we do. 
Um, you know, as, as we talked a lot about on this podcast, that the Public Service Commission has these rate cases, acquisition cases, all these cases that deal with the, you know, significant management decisions of utility companies where parties can intervene. And as long as you can show that you've got a distinctive position other than just from the general public, they'll let you intervene. We're, we're actually, in, John, you can correct me if I'm wrong. It seems like the Missouri PSC is pretty good about letting people in as opposed to some other states. Is that safe to say? Yes. I mean, it's rare, there's rarely an issue, but, you know, occasionally, um, I, I've seen some states recently get kind of frustrated when there's so many environmental groups and so many other public interest groups. They right. might sometimes uh, get frustrated and start start saying, well, you shouldn't be allowed in, or maybe you just do an amicus or whatever. But uh, yeah, but generally they let you in. And if you're, you know, if you've been around, I mean, this work is so complicated and involves such constant attention that I think you really have to be uh, a trusted stakeholder as Renew Missouri is where you can um, be called upon on a regular basis. And you have to have, you have to have a lot of knowledge about what has happened over the years and what, you know, what rules are already out there in order to be effective. And you have to watch the courts, the legislature, and yeah. the, you know, you gotta watch all three branches of government. <laughs> there's a reason why there's only like 10 lawyers doing this kind of work in Missouri. It involves more money than taxation policy in the state, just, just to give you an idea of how much, uh, you know, this really, and it impacts every single person, virtually every single person pays a utility bill. Well, and that's what I've always said. It's, it's, it has more of an impact than taxes do because everyone pays a utility bill and some people don't have to pay taxes. And I didn't know, is that really true that it has, it has more money involved than taxation? That, on, the, on the state level. Yes. Wow. Because yeah. another thing that's interesting, I didn't mention about our, our, you know, we have a, we have a shared, uh, line on our resume, we used to both be public counsel. Mm -hmm. Some might say we were <laughs> the most notorious public counsels in its 45 year history. Some well, might say unfortunately, unfortunately, most, most uh, consumer advocates are notorious. They have to be, or else uh, they're not doing their job. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, yeah, I mean, I looked at it, I never did anything that I thought was like supposed to be like politically provocative or anything that was trying to get me attention. I always did stuff that I thought was for my client's best interest, and I, you did too, and that sometimes got us in trouble. <laughs> well, the point, the, the, I mean, the point of having in the Office of Public Counsel is to have an independent advocate. Right, and right. It's, it's, it's Do you like think that from independent, yeah. 2001 to 2005? Uh, that's about right, yes. Okay, and I did it for yeah. 2016. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit in 2017, because I got fired by, um, uh, speaking of Notorious, by Eric Reitens. Um, it was my first job out of law school in 1989, so. Oh, oh, you, you start, yeah, you started in the office of public counsel. Cause that's another thing. Like the public counsel has lawyers that report to them. Um, right. and I think when I was there, we had four lawyers. Uh, how many were there when you were there, John? Uh, at, uh, at the, the highest point, um, we had 21 employees at one point. Oh, wow. And then budget cuts. Yeah. Um, took it, took their toll. I think I had 15 when I was there. Um, and we did a lot. Uh, <laughs> we had some, we had some hardworking people there. Whenever I hear people talk about state workers, I know they weren't talking about my office. Um, yeah, and they continue to, they continue to lose people and you know, the, yeah. the, the economy I'm sure is going to, uh, you know, cause more budget cuts to be on the table. I'm afraid. Yeah. They're, they're down a lawyer and I'm not sure they're hiring anybody for that, but, um, so, so what's, why I bring that up is because we want to talk about a topic. I mean, John and I could talk about just about anything for hours and 
I would lose all five of my listeners. Uh, but why we kind of had the idea to talk today is because there is a, a piece of legislation that's been going through the Missouri legislature, which if you've, if you've been following this, you might know that the legislature had to take a bit of a pause uh, this year because of the uh, pandemic. Um, and they're back. They've been back for a couple of weeks. And I think they've decided to take all two months of that work and then some, and they're trying to do it all right now because uh folks we're recording this right now on may 7th uh the legislature has to be done by constitutional requirements by six o'clock mm -hmm. on may 15th uh by the, i think it's like third friday of the month or something like that mm -hmm. of may and so they are pushing through a lot of policy right now and they're pushing through a lot of utility policy right now some of that stuff from new missouri likes and some of that stuff we really don't like now, one of the things that we have not taken a position on, but seems relevant to the conversation right now, is this concept known as ISRIS. Now, it, John, what does ISRIS stand for? It stands for the Infrastructure System Replacement Surcharge. And so this is a separate charge on your bill. Right. If you get a, if you get a bill from Spire or from, uh, you know. Missouri American. Uh, Missouri American, or, you know, well, that's a water, yeah. The, that's the water, water, yeah. The water has a, a replacement surcharge in St. Louis County. And the gas company has it all over the state. Right. They, the, the law passed in 2003. Um, about a dozen other states have laws like this. The original one was called the DISC in Pennsylvania, Distribution System Improvement Charge. The idea is that there's a lot of investment made by these pipeline companies, water and gas, and that they they suffer, this is you know, the utility art, that they suffer a uh, regulatory lag because they make big investments in, in pipes, replacing the infrastructure under our streets and, and under our houses, and they, uh, don't get a, they don't get to earn money on it until they have a rate case, which may be you know, on the average every three years. And so they, they complain that they're losing investment on that. Well, it's, it's just a, it's a small timing difference. I suppose it's a material amount of money, but they argue that they need these surcharge. They need a separate way to, to raise, um, to charge money to consumers apart from the full audit they have in a rate case. So here underlies the main consumer advocate problem with this. And that is in a rate case, you look at all the investments and the expenses of the utility, you do a full audit, you look at their entire balance sheet, and you take everything into consideration, including the costs that are going up and the costs that are going down. With a, with a surcharge like this, it collects and charges to consumers only the costs that are going up, and we lose out on the offsetting benefits of that. Right. Uh, these surcharges, are it's, it was called single-issue rate-making for many years, and I call it piecemeal rate-making, and it really kind of, it creates two sets of books, it creates a lot of problems, and inevitably it leads to the utility charging faster, higher, and bills being higher than they need to be for the same amount of work. Right. Yeah, I mean, and that is the consumer perspective on it. Um, now, this one is passed in 2003, had bipartisan support in the legislature. Uh, the legislature had only then switched to the Republican majority. Uh, we had a Democratic governor who signed it into law. And I guess I should point out, yes, there is a gas ISRIS and a water ISRIS. The water ISRIS was the justification, just so you know. It was. There was, a, there okay. was, at, one, there was at one time has long been corrected, but there was a problem with the St. Louis County Water Company system that was falling behind and having uh, an unreasonable number of water breaks. Uh, that's since been fixed. 
the gas companies uh, sort of jumped on the back of this bill and mm-hmm. got a gas interest. The bill did not have sufficient hearings, did not have a hearing in the Senate, and was put in at the very last minute uh, by the Speaker of the House uh, in 2003. So it really just uh, uh, sort of piggybacked on what the water company had and, and the, the real justification there. I would argue the gas company didn't even need this, didn't have a crisis, didn't have right. a real public safety justification, but they got it nonetheless. And but they got a it. Huge, huge financial benefit to the company. Yeah. Now, and, you know, and I mean, just, you know, and here's the thing, like, I know there are multiple uh, gas utilities, privately owned gas companies in Missouri. <laughs> um, Ameren has a gas company. They don't use ISRIS, right? I don't think they've ever used it, have they? Not that I'm aware of. Liberty has a gas company. They've never used it. Have they? Not sure. I don't, not, not that I'm aware of. I mean, the only, and I'm getting to this because the, the only gas ISRIS cases I have seen have come from Spire. Right. Yeah. Well, they, and, I mean, there is a lot of replacement activity in, in St. Louis. St. Yeah, Louis it's area. an old city. In urban areas. Yeah, yeah it's I mean, an old city uh, that is slowly rotting around us. No, I'm just kidding. St. Louis. I'm kidding, St. Louis. Um, no. <laughs> but, okay. And so with, and I think, and I'm not sure how the law worked, but I remember when I was public counsel, they filed an ISRIS case about every six months. Mm-hmm. Well, it'd be, uh, it's, I, think it's, I think it's generally, um, well. That was when uh, I was yeah, there, and that was four right, years that's right, ago. That's right. That that's was, right. And, and the, the lawyer <laughs> I had that, uh, I, I feel like that's all he did, who is now public counsel, Mark Poston, he, was, he had to respond to every one of those. And I recall at public counsel, as, as we had very much the same opinion about those as, as you do. Uh, we felt that they were largely unnecessary. And they started getting into, into some areas, and I'm getting to this bill. I wanted to kind of go through this concept a little bit because we, they, they started asking for things to replace things that maybe uh, some consumer advocates didn't feel like were contemplated right. under the statute. This- this would be a good time for me to raise a point, and I'm going to come back to this. Okay. The, justifica- the justification, and there is some, uh, I will grant that the utilities have some good argument here. I mean, they have some, some point. Please save me yeah. with this. <laughs> okay, listen. They, they say that uh, they need this because in the city, in the developed areas where they, you know, where pipes are, you know, decades old, that they need to, to get those out, but they don't have the correspondent revenue. If they were building mm-hmm. out on the edge of development further out in the suburbs, they would build a new subdivision, put the pipe in the ground, and then immediately start getting revenue from new customers, new revenue for new investment. It matches up and they don't need to do this. They claim they need this surcharge because there's no new revenue and mm-hmm. there's a great deal of expense. And so that's that was sort of their, um, you know, oh, poor me argument for why they needed this. And that, and that it should, and, and the law, for, in its, for its credit, limits, current law at least, limits it to only those um, uh, replacements that are not associated with new customers. Right. Yeah, because I mean, this is, and this is an interest, I mean, I know this is a little off topic, but this is one of the things that I think we come up with in electric stuff is, okay, so for a long time, when you look at St. Louis, when you look at Kansas City, you have a lot of people moving out to suburbs, and they move to exurbs, and now they're moving back downtown. Um, I, I think that that's slowed a little bit in St. Louis, but it certainly is more prominent in Kansas City, and so, you know, for all infrastructure, uh, you can say like, well, we're, we're having to chase the population a little bit or where development is. And I mean, like right now, St. Louis, is that I mean? Like, I mean, let's, 
you could one, you talk about St. Louis County with the water is, or St. Louis City has a, a metropolitan uh, water and sewer system, and it is. Well, I think it's safe to say it's in bad shape. Well, um, it's it's safe to say it's a little behind the times. It's one a of the, <laughs> the largest, maybe the largest water provider in the country or North America that doesn't have a, a meter system yet. Is that true? Wow, man, I learned so much when I talked to you. I'm not aware of any water company that big in the United States that doesn't have meters. God, that's amazing. Um, Okay. It's it's, it's a very old city. Yeah, it is. It is. um, Well, there was, you know, it was was the heartbeat of the, uh, of the, of the, of America back in the day with the Missouri River and the Mississippi River and French fur trappers and salt licks and whatnot. So, um, you're taking me back to my heyday. I was just thinking about all the ice cream cones at the uh, 1904 World's Fair. Uh, so we were talking. Okay, so there, okay, so now this. I don't know if you were involved with this case, but I know that there was a case, and this is getting us back to this legislation that we're talking about. There was a case uh, involving Israel, and gosh, it had something to do with. There was a question about what type of pipes Spire yes. was asking to yes. right, replace, right, right. and I wasn't sure if it was like new pipes or it was like plastic pipes do you yes yes yeah, okay well, and, and just and, and i get we you know i don't want to get down too much into the weeds i know right. we, don't, we don't have all day time about it but there are there because of the tireless work of the auditing work of the office of public counsel right it was discovered you know mark poston and others who audited this and went in and looked at the receipts and looked at all the work orders discovered that that they that Spire then Laclede Gas was replace putting replacing pipe and putting them into these ISRA surcharges to cons- customers that did that went beyond the statute. Mm-hmm. The statute says uh, the another thing that it says is this is limited to pipe that is worn out or in a deteriorated condition. Right. Right. And and for several years that's the way they did it. And then about the time you were a consumer advocate in mm-hmm. for Missouri the public right. council. They had started being more aggressive. They would replace the pipes in an entire neighborhood at one time. And I'm sure they had arguments about how that was more economical. Right. Well, if we're going to replace this one pipe that we think is deteriorated, maybe it's an, an old steel pipe, uh, uh, cast iron or unprotected steel or something that's, that's truly within the statute for this, this replacement. Because they say, well, we, while we're here, there's some plastic pipe that's worn out. There's some other stuff that we might as well replace while we're here. And so they would do an entire chunk, and they would put all of that into the surcharge. Right. And uh, it was proven again and again that they were going beyond. And uh, the Public Service Commission let it, uh, you know, they, they were just so used to rubber stamping these. I'm sorry. They just got into a habit of saying, well, you know, close enough. This right. is, you know, uh, I guess it is economical to do this, even though that's not what the statute says. The statute was very targeted and very narrow. Right. And it continues to be to this day. So that that is the issue that the Court of Appeals finally put an end to. And they said this is illegal. And it, it wound up there were actually three three Court of Appeals cases that kind of built up one on, on top of the other until finally the court said enough is enough. Uh refund the money right and there was a there was even an issue about that until last week finally the public service commission has said okay there has to be a refund and laclede or spire is no longer uh needed to put any more evidence on it's going to happen so Mm -hmm. finally uh after after several years i think consumers are going to get a refund uh in the one case is worth 14 million dollars and uh the other two it's unclear Uh, it, it less that each of those other cases is less than 14 million, but at least 14 million dollars will be refunded. 
Okay. And plas most of it is plastic pipe that they should not have charged through the Ezra surcharge. Right. Okay. That's what I thought that had to do with. Okay. So, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you're right. The Public Service Commission got to see a lot of these. Uh, they would always kind of say, we're going to approve this. Um, we'll, or you know, they always say, like, we'll also try to get this worked out in the next uh, rate case. Because right. they, they, right. they have to come in every three years under this law right. for a rate case to kind of true all this up and reconcile all this. And the Western District, and I don't know if this was the case, and I'm probably speaking out of school here, but somebody told me that they were doing this argument at a law school. And so someone suggested maybe they actually read the briefs before they did their questions <laughs> so they could show off to the law students and they start reading them and realize like, oh yeah, this, this statute's not being followed. Um, and, and this is the Western District Court of Appeals. Look, I, you know, we, we love our judges. I do know they get all the PSC cases and I've heard from clerks over there that the judges absolutely hate these PSC cases because they get a lot of them and they're very technical. Right. I mean, these things are hard to wrap your head around even for those. I mean, even for people who do this work, it's still, you learn something and, new and every they, day. And they have to make a decision based on an oral argument shorter than this podcast. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, that's, it's a lot to, to put on uh, to a Western District Court of Appeals to have that kind of knowledge. So, okay. So the Western District Court of Appeals overturned these decisions. It ended up saying, well, it's a lot of money that's going to go back to ratepayers. So oftentimes, as you and I know, you can do a lot of work, get a good legal decision in the courts, mm -hmm. right. and then they want to go, then you get right. a statute changed. <laughs> Yeah, so, so that's yeah, what's so happening right now. Right. So basically the law that is uh, is either going to pass or not pass in the next uh, um, week, you know, what, week, next uh, 10 days yep. is the uh, is a statute is, is a bill, Senate Bill 618, yep. which would change the law to allow them to do what they've been doing and what the courts have said were illegal. And right. that is allow basically any pipe replacement. Uh, to be used now. There's there's some convoluted language in it saying they it's they could they would be able to put into the surcharge anything that was being replaced that they couldn't put on now under current safety standards. So basically, right. if the pipe was replaced, and I, I think that will be very close to anything they want to replace because the standards for pipe replacements keep improving year after year. So there's you know, there might even be something that says you got to stamp this on it or do this. this the pipe's got to be this color or they got to be in this place. And if they passed uh, new requirements for all pipe replacements a couple of years ago, that's good. That means anything that hasn't been replaced in the last couple of years could be re-replaced again. Mm -hmm. uh, they will be replacing things that are not worn out and deteriorated. Right. And that is that that means that's a replacement that doesn't have to happen. Costs that don't have to be charged to consumers. Right. Yeah, so that would, I mean, be, that would be a law if this passes. And we, uh, there's a variety of different predictions about how much this is going to raise your rates, uh, but it could be as high as 10% over time. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So it's, yeah. It's, it's, this, is a, this raises rates. If you vote for Senate Bill 618, you are raising household natural gas heating rates in Missouri. Yeah. And I know that this bill did, was subject to, I think they started to filibuster it. There are a number, I mean, and I always talk about emphasizing this, the state Senate is where you can see a lot of activity on trying to slow down some of this utility legislation. It goes pretty fast through the House. Everything goes fast through the House. The Senate, you have a little more deliberation. I mean, you've got a, a pretty bipartisan coalition of lawmakers that are skeptical 
of this kind of legislation. I, you know, I think of Doug Leibla, I think of Jill Shoup. Um, I think, you know, uh, Justin Brown, to a certain extent, he's a little, he's relatively new. Uh, uh, Doug Leibla is term limited. He's going to be gone. Gary Romine, who was good on this stuff, he left earlier in the session to go be on the state tax commission. So a lot of the, you know, several of the folks that, you know, filibustered this or tried to filibuster this aren't going to be around, but, you know, they also kind of worked out some new language, didn't they, John, that like kind of stopped the filibuster so it could move forward? There, there were some amendments that, that were placed on it. It gave a little more time for review at the Public Service Commission. The, um, it, also, um, it, it also said that if you're going to take advantage of this new language, you have to at least refund the money that you had illegally charged consumers. I see. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think that, that may not be needed at this point because it looks like the Public Service Commission has finally agreed. Right. And the courts have agreed. And, uh, but, but Spire is still going to the Supreme Court, so maybe it is needed. I mean, Spire hey, yeah. is... I mean, they just, they never give up the fight. They have an unlimited amount of resources that they can charge ratepayers to continue to appeal this and to continue to keep going. <laughs> these are, these are, these are, these are, these are, these are, these are expenses they can put in the right base. Right. And let me tell you this, I, I, there is, there's a lot of bad experience out there with consumer advocates being right on the issue and ultimately winning the day, but then never getting the refund back to consumers of, of what was illegally charged them. If you if you go back to the the, uh, the UCCM case in 1979, which is named for Consumers Council, by the way. Oh, that really? Case, okay. That was the case that said the fuel adjustment clause was illegal until it was, uh, you know, made into a law and they they legally made an exception to single issue rate making for single issue rate making in in 2005. So that there were, there were many years we didn't have it, but but there was uh, there were several years worth of fuel adjustment clauses that were supposed to be refunded to consumers and were remanded back to the Public Service Commission to consider it. That appeal that was still still in the courts, still going back and forth between the courts and the Public Service Commission when I uh, came to the Office of Public Counsel in the 1990s. So over like so like over right. 10 years. Right. And so eventually, yeah. So at about 15 years of litigation, the courts just said, at this point, everyone who charged this is, is either dead or moved or, you know, it's just going to be impossible to get right. the money back. And they just threw up their hands and refunds never occurred. And so it's, it's a flaw in the system. Uh, you know, sure. the default is always that the utility's right until they've exhausted every imaginable appeal. Right. And attempt to go to the legislature and, and any other exception they can find. <laughs> so it's tireless work it's tireless work yeah it, it, and it is it is um it it just goes on and on and on um yeah and, and so security. yeah for those of us willing to put up with it it is um and, you know and there's a lot of people who do this work that you know you and i we've been around um you know i know like yeah, i think about david Woodsmall and people like that but there's a lot of people who've done this work that you know, I consider, I like this work. I'm lucky that I'm still doing this work in a different capacity. Um, but to the extent that Senate Bill 618, that was, uh, that, okay, so that got passed through the Senate. It went to the House. And then this week, the House of Representatives. And this is kind of um, getting us to a contemporaneous point here. They loaded this bad boy up. <laughs> uh, so, okay, so like since they were gone for two months, they come back. and. <laughs> You know, a lot of people believed or had some thought that the uh, legislature would come back and they'd focus on the budget, which constitutionally the House has to deliver by tomorrow, by May 8th, and they might work on COVID-related things. Uh, that was optimistic and almost Pollyannic. 
at this point uh, because now they've taken basically everything they were working on and they're trying to put them on these things called omnibus pieces of leg legislation that kind of are just, you know, very tenuously connected. Uh, and so Senate Bill 618, in addition to having this um, ISRIS change, now has uh, the, uh, the provision that would prevent Grain Belt Express from using eminent domain now has um, now has some some pros some 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 things such as prohibiting homeowner associations from banning solar. Uh, there are some some tax provisions in there for solar companies which are favorable to solar companies. Um, and now, as of yesterday, they have put a provision in there that would make it easier for utility companies to build nuclear power plants and, the, and to recover those costs before they're completed. Now we've done, I think we've done a podcast on this. We did a whole CLE on this. Um, mm -hmm. And John, you've, you've been on the front line of this because about 10, 11 years ago, they tried to, uh, they tried to bring, uh, Amron tried to bring that back right. to make it easier to build a power, uh, nuclear power plant. And it yeah. didn't, well, and it the, failed. I mean, yeah, the, the, um, the issue came up while they were building the first nuclear power plant in Missouri, the Callaway plant. And uh, so in the middle of that construction, the voters passed an initiative to ban what was what's called construction work in progress, which is the voters ban said that you cannot build a power plant and charge it to consumers until it is fully operational. That's right. the word, fully operational. Yeah. And so that means that you can't start charging in advance during the long construction schedule. And the utilities argue that it's such a long construction schedule, they can't, they can't carry that money that long. They need the ratepayers to start chipping in for something that, number one, isn't going to serve them for many, many years, if ever. Or it could be like the VC summer fiasco in South Carolina, where consumers were charged billions of dollars before it went belly up, and there will be no power plant. Right. So that's that's the the risk there. It's basically requiring the ratepayers to invest in the largest investment that this utility will make with ratepayer funds, not not shareholder funds. Yeah, in South Carolina, they're going to be paying a lot of money, billions of dollars for a hole in the ground. Right. 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 Rusty yeah. steel and concrete. Yeah, yeah. And so, and so, like, and I remember, like, I think actually the last time I saw you in person uh, was at the hearing. Uh, there was a utility, uh, there, was, uh, there was a utility committee hearing on this bill. And, um, you know, this, this bill is sponsored by someone I've known for a long time, John Black. I, I, he and I are both from Marshfield. You know, he had tried to assure me this was a pro-renewable energy bill, and he basically used my testimony to attack renewable energy, which makes me think that that wasn't quite what he was trying to do with this bill is help renewable energy. <laughs> so that was the last. So we had a hearing on this, but there was no vote in that committee. They, 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 they stopped uh, having hearings. They stopped going to session. Well, as you know, and by the way, my, as you know, in Missouri, renewable energy is specifically designed, uh, defined as not nuclear power. That's right. Under, under the, the renewable energy standard law. Yes. That's one of the few definitions we actually got into that law <laughs> since we now like it to call everything else renewable. So, um, so, you know, so, so we didn't have, See, uh, uh, oh, sorry, we probably should edit that out, but I just saw our good friend Tim Opitz leaving the uh, Renew Missouri studios. Uh, so we didn't have a vote on that. It, it was not brought to the House floor. And now after a 10-minute conversation yesterday afternoon uh, that where there was a call to question, uh, the previous question was called, so there would be no more debate, 
it was added uh, to the Senate Bill 618. And now it is this bill that would add even more liability potentially to customers. Uh, for, and as I think Representative McCreary, who I think is still on your board, isn't she? Yes. And, and a friend of ours uh, pointed out that right now we are, we have about, we're, we're producing about 20% more power than we need in the state. I think something And like that, that was before the pandemic. We that was before the pandemic, right. We had 20% extra energy production in the state of Missouri before the pandemic. There are, there are some parts in the Midwest that are now at 30, 35% reserve margin due to the lower you know, the lesser industrial activity right now. So, yeah. it, and, the, and the pending uh, recession, I am sure, will have a similar effect to what we saw in 2008, which is pushing out expected uh, demand even further for years. So which, we were already in a situation where no utility could justify a big power plant for 10 years, and now we're probably looking at further than that. So this is completely unneeded. Completely yeah. unneeded. Which, by the way, I just seeing Tim Opitz, we were researching um, some some briefing for the Empire case, and we were looking at um, we were looking at customer charges. We were talking about the 2008 Great Recession in rate cases as late as 2015. So, if you're, if, and I think we're talking about this crisis being worse. So, we could be living with this as a as a economic issue, as a production issue, uh, much longer. In I mean, utility I, I, world. I, well, you know, what's different now that was different from, you know, uh, six, seven years ago is that no utility even wants to start a nuclear power plant right now. So, right. This is, yeah, keep in mind, this is the other thing about Representative Black's bill and Senator Cunningham's bill. It's, it's, yeah, Aaron has said, they've said to me and they've said this publicly, they're not pushing this. <laughs> Evergy and Empire, I can't fathom in a million years needing a nuclear power plant. So Amron would be the only one because they have the only one that they're operating in the state that use and um, they don't want it. But for some reason, um, the Missouri Farm Bureau wants it. <laughs> um, it's, um, yeah, it's, I, I don't know. I don't know where this comes from, but you know, greed they, finds a way. They have a, the Farm Bureau has a gentleman who I, I, my family knows he's from Fairgrove, which is not very far from where my family operation is. He is really big on this and he's on the air uh, commission for the state. He pushed them to do this uh, resolution to support this, which I think is the first time that commission had ever done that. Um, and he wrote a big article about how this was good. And I responded to it. And he also said something about how renewable energy was bad. And I said that, you know, between where he's from and where I'm from, there's about five miles between us. And I said, you know, if I were to poll all the people around there, between Fairgrove and Elkland and ask them if they wanted a wind farm there or a nuclear power plant there. I'm going to guess most of them would say a wind farm. It's my guess. Let, let, me, let me just, let me make this disclaimer. <laughs> I tell you, I am absolutely not against nuclear power. Me and, either, me either. And, and, and renewable, and I know environmentalists uh, come down on various sides of right. that question. And this is not about the source of energy whatsoever. Right. Uh, there and there has been quip and, and prepayment surcharges for coal plants too, which is yeah. terrible. But um, <laughs> I, I tell you, what, I I think I, I and none of my clients are anti nuke either. Right. But I think that um, I, I think perhaps as a consumer advocate, I am anti big big power plant. You know, if we can get unnecessary costs, because the, when you have these projects that last ten years or fifteen years there are going to be problems and there's mm -hmm. going to be cost overruns. It's just way too big a risk. Certainly Unforeseeable too big things. A, yeah. 
Certainly too big of a risk to be foisting upon the public. We're supposed to be protected as the public. It should be the investors taking the risk. Yeah, and I think that's ultimately the biggest, you know, you you hear even like a Republican lawmaker say, or I think they're, they're starting to understand that, you know, they are asking a lot of risk of ratepayers, which is not necessarily what ratepayers have signed up to do. All they've signed up to do is to be able to turn on their light switch and for the lights to work. Um, yeah, and I mean, so that's the thing about this is, yeah, I don't, I mean, like, look, it's not a matter of, oh, I think nuclear power is bad. I don't, but I think to myself, if you want to make power, there's cheaper easier ways of doing it than this so why are we trying to encourage this and and, distri- and and i know people say well you know say the wind is risky well, at least it's distributed generation it's, it's yeah. safe it's less likely to be putting all your eggs in one basket you're yeah. putting your eggs in one production basket you're putting all your eggs in one financial basket you know if a utility takes on this cost essentially it's like one half of their rate base it is yeah. a, you know it's or more it can be the biggest investment and then everything rides on this one power plant yeah, uh, economically and and to some degree reliability, and that's not that's not a great situation. It uh, it also tends to suck up all the money for a lot of the programs that I know Renew Missouri would like to promote. Yeah. Renew, various renewable projects, experiments, pilot programs. You know, energy, energy efficiency, efficiency which has like become like our big thing. Right. And I would say I do not think it would have been as big of a thing had they been allowed to build a nuclear power plant. Uh, without as much risk. So I think that, I think those two things are absolutely connected. Yes. So anyway, that's, that's uh, a bit off the topic, but it is um, just definitely not something we need to be taking on. Now is not the time. That's my new mantra. Now is not the time. And the fact that we don't need to build these power plants right now is a wonderful thing for the public. Wonderful thing for consumers. We need some bright spots. (laughs) Yeah. So everyone has to pay, right? But one thing you and I have been talking a little bit offline in the past day or so is now we have a piece of legislation that has passed the House of Representatives during an economic downturn, during a global pandemic, that will raise rates through ISRIS, potentially raise rates through uh, construction work in progress, and will prevent us from getting cheaper power delivered by the Grain Belt Express in one bill. Right. And, and you know, most, most, of the, most of the state legislatures are not even meeting right now. There's only there's, you know, Kansas maybe, isn't to maybe to our ten West. legislatures aren't even meeting due to the, uh, the the pandemic. And of those who are meeting that I'm aware of, they're usually working on issues that are going to provide immediate rate relief, even right. if that means consumers have to pay more down the road. And this legislation is about charging consumers faster for higher rate increases. It's unbelievable in an election year, mind you. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like they have maps drawn where they don't have to worry about competition. Am I right, John Coffin? <laughs> I don't know if Consumer Council's taking a position on that or not. Um, we have. We're, we like clean Missouri, and we like the. We don't like gerrymandering, but yeah, right, I right. think. But I. But yeah, I mean, it is. And look, here's the other thing too. You and I, we've not been to the Capitol. They're telling people to avoid going to the Capitol unless you absolutely have to go. And. And if you go, no one wants to talk to you. No one wants to get six feet from you. Yeah, and the National Guard is there taking your temperature. <laughs> I mean, that's not a joke. That's what they're doing at the, at the this security. Is, this is not a good time for participatory democracy, and yet they're going full bore ahead. And there are Republicans thing. and Democrats. And it's not just Democrats being mad at Republicans. There are Republicans who aren't happy about this. So I don't want anyone to think that, oh, John and James, these goofy liberals on here, are like just mad at the Missouri legislature. 
No, it, it, this is a matter of like, are you, are you wanting to like act, actively participate in good government or not? That's what this is. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, the, yeah. I'm sure that the utility lobbyists have all the phone numbers and connections and abilities to get, you know, get their message out. Yeah. And sometimes just watching it streaming isn't good enough to really know what they're doing. Well, because sometimes they don't have their mics on. That's been an issue on some of these. Um, and I don't know if that's intentional or not. On that happy note, I mean, I guess, you know, and if people are listening to this thinking, oh my gosh, well, if I can't go to the Capitol, I can't do this, what can I do? Well, look, I mean, Senate Bill 618 is going back to the Senate. I don't know if they're going to do anything about it. There was a great moment of bipartisan um, unity last night where you had a number of Republicans and, and Democrats get up and filibuster an effort to put the anti-grain belt legislation into another bill. And that killed that last night. I don't think it has killed it for good, because I think we still have a week. And so you can call your senator, go to the Senate website and type in your address and it'll tell you who your senator is. Um, and call them and say, listen, why, you know, don't raise our rates. Don't, don't do these things that are gonna set us backwards as a state. Let's move forward. Let's vote against this. Let's have some time to talk about this. This I'll is a you, lot of money. I mean, I, I would say, you know, I, I follow the activities, uh, the, the Public Utility Commission uh, activity in at least a couple dozen states, and almost every state I'm looking at, the top agenda is how can we provide rate relief right now? Even right. even the, the the progressive utilities, the utilities that are really trying to be part of the solution, are saying, "Hey, look, we're going to unleash these programs. We're going to give people three months. We're not, you know, it, it's it's more than just what we've seen in Missouri about okay, we won't disconnect anybody for two months. It, it's really going out there and trying to find ways that they can cut their costs." way they can cut their surcharges, ways that they can provide money. And in some cases, they're, they're asking for, re, you know, recovering it down the road, but they're realizing that now is not the time to be doing this. Right, yeah. Now is not the time to be trying to grab for it or some extra, yeah. uh, you know, extra profit in the race. Yeah, I, I think it's, and I'm, and I'm, I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to beat it. Like, every session after this, I'm doing work, I'm going to remind uh, legislatures that they tried to pull this this stunt and uh, I don't think they're going to be proud of this. Maybe they don't care. I don't know, but I think it's I think it's I think it's bad. Some people think that we you know in this this post truth area that it doesn't matter. They'll just no, say they yeah. they'll just say no. We lowered rates. Right. They'll just, yeah. They'll just tell a lie. Oh yeah, this is about stability, isn't that the phrase it'll, we it'll, always it'll hear? It'll John? be cheaper in the it'll cheap, be cheaper in the long run. That's been the argument we've been hearing. One thing my immediate... Whereas most, whereas like we need to raise rates now so they'll be lower in the future. Well, I think the economics of what most people are suffering right now is they need help now and they'll pay for it later. But uh, right now they're, they don't have a job. Right now they can't pay yeah. their bills. Yeah. One, one of, uh, one of our, our peers in this, I won't say who because I don't have permission to say who they are, but um, they said, whenever you hear utility companies talking about stability, run the other way. <laughs> Um, so John Kaufman, okay. So, and I mean, like you run, you, you're running a not-for-profit now. How can people like help you? Let's, let's, let's give you oh, a plug. Well, well, you could, uh, I mean, you could give a little money to, uh, to our efforts. Uh, we, you know, we're, you know, we don't have any fat in our budget and, uh, we, uh, we have a lot of folks working, um, for, um, for very little, uh, and we cover a, a lot of territory and we, we make uh, some very big companies mad. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> uh, our, website, <laughs> you, our website is at moconsumers.org, moconsumers.org. And you can donate on that website if you'd like.
like. And we'll make sure to have that link out there too. Right. Because we have an update. Yeah. I was we have an say, update our site with this, but there will be something about this really soon on the site. Oh, good. Okay. Okay. I was going to ask if you all had some legislative updates that people could, you know, sign up we're, for or anything like that. I mean, we're, I mean, we have, um, yeah, we, we expect that we will be making some public statements and uh, trying to do what we can in hopes that we can derail these rate increases. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've been, we've been opposed to this from the beginning. And um, we are, we were also opposed to uh, something the water companies were trying to do, and apparently that's fallen by the wayside. Right uh, now, the, the the main things we have to deal with is, of course, the grain belt problem, right. and the uh, and the gas surcharge, and uh, now Quip for electric, right. which is which has been proposed uh, most most every year that I've ever <laughs> been around. You, I thought that after the fiasco in South Carolina, you wouldn't see it much anymore, but. And they, they just act like we should not even remotely worry about that. And that is but just. Both, but both Iowa and Missouri have held it off and Iowa and Missouri continue to hold it off. Yeah. Well, a, we'll keep it up. <laughs> so far. So you never far. Know what's going to happen. Right. Yeah. So, well, but, but here's, an, here's another thing about those, about those power plants. Once you get them in place, that's not the end of it. They'll right. come back to the legislature every year, every other year and ask for another subsidy of it. If you look in Illinois, they gave a huge nuclear bailout to yeah. uh, three power plants saying that, it, you know, and first of all, they wouldn't provide information about whether they were losing money. You just had to trust them. We couldn't actually audit them <laughs> because yeah. that's proprietary, but just trust us. Uh, one of these three power plants will be uh, put offline. They passed it and we thought that, you know, it was eight, $8 billion to keep open a power plant that was already open to save the jobs and, and various yeah. other arguments. He came back two years later and wanted another bailout. Yeah, and Ohio's uh, people are paying 150 million dollars a year for that bailout in Ohio for new nuclear plants. They, they held they held that off for over 10 years. They, yeah, that was, and, and yet they just kept up and kept up and kept up, and finally Governor Kasich made it happen. Yep, it is never ending. And anyway, you, on that positive note, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, but hey, listen, John Kaufman, I think you were doing the Lord's work. I think you do. I think Consumer Council is a great organization. I know we do not agree 100% on everything these days, but that's just how this works. And I, I think it's good that you're here doing it. So, well, same, uh, same, same to you. Right back at you, James. And uh, we need more, not less. Uh, public interest voices out there so yeah that's up. right because i mean there there is a lot of information a lot of material that goes into these rate cases and so the more eyes the better so support consumer council uh if you like the information oh and john uh, again thanks for your time i know you've got a lot going on so thanks for coming on here to explain this i was gonna do a pitch for the for the podcast if you like what you hear on here subscribe to this on itunes or stitcher write a positive review share this on your social media i think this is going to be one that uh we might get some. We might get some 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 really good numbers on this because I think this is something that's going to be relevant to journalists right now and to uh, you know to, to lawmakers and everything else. So I hope you're listening. Hope you enjoy it. This has been Renew Gurus. Um, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time on the radio. Let's see, I'm going to turn off the.